Brilliant. You can take your seat. Thank you so much. We're, um, we're so privileged to be here this morning. As Pastor Gary said, my name's Joel and my wife Tess is here this morning and we're just so grateful that uh, we get to come and join with you out at Mount Barker. Uh, exciting times, hey? Isn't it good to be part of the family of God? We, um, yeah, well, I just want to say thank you. Um, what a great time of worship this morning, uh, Christiane and the team. Um, and, and Pastor Gary and Jane, we honor you guys. Thank, as you said, we haven't known you for very long, but we are so, um, uh, we just love your humility and your leadership, and we thank you for everything that you've faithfully given and to the kingdom and into this church. And uh, I just want to honor you guys. And, and uh, amazing. Are you good this morning? Great. Can you turn this mic down to a tiny bit? Because uh, I wouldn't want to blast anyone's ears off. Um, yeah, my, my name's Joel. Just a very little bit about us. I'm not a pastor. I'm not a preacher. I'm not a theologian. I'm not a teacher. We're just Christians, and we just love Jesus. I'm passionate about the Word of God and studying it for myself, but also communicating it in a way that is tangible and real. And I'm passionate about seeing the church grow into maturity as we found our lives on the Word of God. Does that sound good? Tessa is the most beautiful woman in the world. She works as an SSO. Uh, up at Belair Primary, I work in marketing, that's all boring, so <laughs> you'll find out more about us as, as we go along. I also brought one of uh, my great friends, our great friends, Aidan Mitchell with us this morning, he's part of our young adults ministry. In fact, I have nothing interesting to share, but I found out yesterday, this dude is amazing, he is, no word of a lie, Lord Aidan Mitchell. Not a joke. Ask to see his bank card after the service. It says Lord Aidan Mitchell on it. He's a landowner in Scotland, so he's a lord. It's just the best thing ever. <laughs> How good is that? <laughs> oh, dear. Sorry. I didn't tell you I was going to say that. I'm sorry. Why don't you turn with me to Acts chapter 3. We're going to get straight into the Word this morning. That's how I preach. It's the only way I know how. My pastor used to tell me that you always start with the word because then if you bomb, at least you've read the word, hey? (laughs) Acts chapter 3. One day, Peter and John were going to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man was there who was lame from birth. He was lame from birth. It says that he was lame from birth and he was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. Verse 3 says, When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, Look at us. And so the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. And then Peter said, Silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Nazareth, walk. And taking him by the right hand, he helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk, and then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. One more passage, Matthew chapter 28, verse 18 to 20. Jesus came to his disciples, and he said, All authority in heaven and on earth, has been given to me. 
been given. What a resume, hey? I don't know about your CV, but mine's not that good. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always. I've titled this message this morning, The Forgotten Go. The Forgotten Go. Why don't you pray with me as we come around the word. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true and trustworthy. We thank you that we have it, that it's available, it's published and printed. And God, we can spend our lives and orient our lives around your word. And Father, I pray that this morning, that as we uh, spend this time together as a family, Lord, would you open our hearts and humble us to receive from you. Father, would you use these lips of clay to speak your words of life. In Jesus' name, amen. The forgotten go. I've got a simple word this morning because I'm a simple boy. I was going to say man, but then I was like, don't be silly. (laughs) I know I'm not a man because... For this one reason. I've got a wife and an adult job, but I still know I'm not a man because every time I go out for Indian, I don't consider ordering anything other than butter chicken. (laughs) Definitely not an adult yet. Actually, I had a lamb korma the other night. Whoa. Adulthood. I am growing up. It was a mild one. I'm not a maniac. Got a simple word this morning, but Jesus dies, rises again, and gives what we call the Great Commission. And he says, Go, go into all the nations and make disciples. You see, I never want to be a Christian, or I never want to be a preacher, or anyone that teaches the word that forgets the go of the gospel. You see, I wonder if we've become, at times, we've become concerned about ourselves and what we're receiving from God, or we get concerned about coming to church for us, that we've forgotten that the commission that God has mandated us with is to go. I don't think we can ever become too consumed with ourselves that we've forgotten the glorious call that God has encouraged us to be a part of as disciples. You see, he came and he gave the disciples this great commission. And disciples isn't exclusive to the 11 that were there on that day. It's inclusive of all of us who profess to be followers and believers of Jesus Christ. That's what it is to be a disciple, to learn and live in fellowship and pursuit of everything that he has done for us. And so we are all disciples of Christ. You see, I think sometimes we just need to realign ourselves with the heart of God. We have been called to go, to go and be light in our world. Matthew 5.14, Jesus said that you, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. I wonder if you'd allow me to utilize the metaphor of light that Jesus shares this morning, that Jesus shares and allow that to metaphorically illustrate our go. Is that all right? Look how I did that. I made the go yellow. There are lights out there. Brilliant. (laughs) That was a 10 o'clock last night job. I was like, oh, better get a slide going. (laughs) Acts chapter 3. I just want to read through this and, and draw some things out. Is that okay? 
They were on their way to the temple. Peter and John, having been given the Great Commission, they then sent into Jerusalem to wait for the Holy Spirit. Jesus doesn't leave them. He says, go into the... Uh, Jesus leaves them, and he, but he says, go into uh, the city and wait. And the Holy Spirit is outpoured at Pentecost. And we see this amazing miracle. And Peter gets up and they're filled with the Spirit. He preaches an amazing uh, gospel uh, uh, about repentance and coming back to God. And then we see the outpouring over the crowd. And people start speaking in tongues and in all different languages. And people from all different nations hear the gospel. Then they go out and plant churches and build faith communities. And it's this amazing time. And then one day, Peter and John are on the way to the temple. And as they are heading to the temple, it says that there was a man who was lame from birth who was being carried to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. You know what's interesting is this man wasn't placed outside the market he wasn't placed outside the grocery store or the, or the brothel where the high rollers were. He wasn't placed outside Centrelink. He was placed outside the temple. He was placed on the doorstep of the church. And I was challenged by this because I believe that the church carries the answer that our world needs today. We aren't the answer necessarily, but we carry the answer of what our world needs today. This man... And I believe that we have a world on our doorstep that is in desperate need of what the church has to offer. The church is God's continuation of His story of salvation. You look at Scripture and this whole first half of the Bible, from creation to the fall, the first half is leading up and expecting the Messiah to come, right? And then at the culmination of the ages, Hebrews says, the Messiah comes, Jesus, the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. And Jesus dies on the cross for our salvation. Come on, isn't that good? Can we worship God this morning? Jesus came as the atoning sacrifice for our sins and He hung on the cross so that we may receive His righteousness. 2 Corinthians says that God made Him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to become sin for us so that in Him we might become the righteousness of Christ Jesus. You see, He took our sin and gave us His righteousness. Come on, isn't that good? But the thing is, Jesus didn't just die. And three days later, He rose again, defeating sin and death forever. And then, so the story continues, and then He goes to the disciples. And He says, now you go. He says, now you go. And we see the church, as we know it today, begin to form through Pentecost and onward. You see, the church today, we need to take a hold of the importance and the imperative call that we all have as the body of Christ, that we contain and carry the great good news of the gospel. This whole book was leading up to the Messiah coming, and now he did, and we get to carry the message of good news that Jesus died and rose again for the salvation and the forgiveness of sins. But here's the thing. As we shine our light, we're not shining our light, we're shining His. When Jesus gave the commission, it's not our mission, it's His. You see, we take it so often and 
we quote it as go and make disciples of all the nations, blah, blah, blah. And we just take the meat of the message and we forget the buns. Can't have a burger without the buns. Unless you're gluten-free and you have lettuce, but that defeats my point, so we won't worry about that. You see, Jesus starts by saying, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Now go and make disciples of all the nations. But thank goodness he doesn't end there. He says, and surely I'm with you always. And then he supplies us with his Holy Spirit to equip the church so that we can carry the light of the gospel and the good news that he is entrusted with us, that he is entrusted with the body of Christ. It's not a mission, it's a co-mission. We are cooperators in God's mission. What a privilege that we all get to be a part of what God is doing and outworking in our world today. It says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter the temple courts, he asked them for money. And Peter looked straight at him. Peter looked straight at him and he said, look at us. And so the man gave them his full attention. Isn't that interesting? Come back to that. Expecting to get something from them. Verse 6. Then Peter said to them, silver or gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. And in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. You know what? This light that God has entrusted us with and to be is what our world needs even if it isn't what our world wants. This good news about Jesus isn't necessarily what our world wants, but it's most certainly what all people need. You see, it says very specifically that this man asks for money. Now, because of his ailment, it says that he has disfigured ankles and he hasn't been able to walk, he's lame. And because he's been unable to walk, he's been unable to work. And therefore, he most likely is begging for money from a place of poverty. Now, that is a need. And I'm going to come back to that because I don't want to dismiss that. But he also had a deeper need. He had a deeper condition. And it says very specifically that this man was lame from birth. This is something he couldn't control. It was something that he couldn't cure. And in fact, every doctor he'd been to couldn't change a thing. This is something that he was born with. That sounds suspiciously like Romans that says, just as sin entered the world through one man, and Romans 3.23 says, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Aren't we all this lame beggar? We're all born into something that we couldn't control and most certainly we can't cure. And in fact, no one in our human world can. But there is, in fact, only one solution. There is only one way and one truth. And the answer is Jesus. You see, our world and first us and our world, we desperately need the good news of the gospel, the salvation from sins, the salvation from that thing that we can't cure, that thing that we couldn't control. We were born into it. But God offers us salvation through the love and grace and truth of Jesus Christ. Come on, isn't that worth worshipping? He is so good. But we carry that good news. We carry that gospel. Isn't, isn't it funny, and 
It was funny that anxiety came up this morning. I was thinking about this, that isn't that so often our experience with God? He's so often, we, we present to him what we want and he gives us what we need. You know, Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, do not be anxious about anything. Oh yeah, righto. That sounds easy. Have you thought about it like that? What are you talking about, Paul? Don't be anxious about anything. Sure. Thank goodness he doesn't end there. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, I didn't put this on my, sorry, but in everything through prayer and petition, present your requests to the Lord. Then the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ. I used to hate that verse. I'm, I'm meant to be preaching this morning. I can't say that. When I was younger, I used to hate that verse because I would read, present your request to the Lord and I'd be like, all right, so come to God and I'd say, God, would you just fix this broken relationship? Like, there's just this relationship in my life. God, I just need you to fix that for me or, or whatever it is. God, I, I just have this real financial anxiety at the moment. God, would you just fix, would you fill that bank account? And, and, and don't we do that? We present our requests to the Lord. But then it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding with God. And this is why I hate it. What about my requests? <laughs> What's that about? But you know, it isn't funny that we present God what we want and he instead gives us what we need. And, and here's the thing. Peace is actually all we ever wanted in the first place. You see, when I was pr- praying for God to fix that relationship, all I ever really wanted was peace in that relationship. And, and when I was praying for that financial difficulty that I'm struggling with right now, I, I wasn't praying for X's and O's. I was praying to have peace in my area of finance. And so we present our requests and God says, you know what? I could fix that relationship and I could fill that bank account, but instead I'm going to give you the peace of God which transcends all understanding so that you can face that with me guarding your heart and mind. Come on, isn't that good? But so often God gives us what we need, which ultimately is what we want, and that's what our world wants. They don't know it, but all they're seeking is satisfaction and contentment, and and we have the message to finding true identity in Christ through the amazing miracle of God's grace. So how do we do that? How how do we be people and a church that is about providing what our world needs, not what it wants? You see, the thing with light is light doesn't blend with darkness. Have you noticed that? (laughs) Light will blend with light, but light doesn't blend with darkness. Light is completely opposite. In fact, darkness is the absence of light. And so I wonder, have we become, in an attempt to be appealing to the world, have we gone, in some ways, gone too far and begin to blend and blur at the edges? You see, light, as Christians and as believers, we are called to stand out, to live different and to be different, to not be of the world, even though we're in it, we're not to be of it. We're called to be light in a dark place. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus was a light in a dark place. 
you look at how people responded to him. Some people gave their lives and believed and followed him and others ran for the hills because he challenged everything. How, so, so how do we live as Christians and as believers as light that lives different? Consider this. Imagine you're a disciple, one, like one of the 11. And uh, Jesus has told you to go. And so you're off on your way, feeling chuffed. Just being anointed for ministry by God. Pretty cool, anyway. And you're off walking, and you come across a blind man. And you come to this blind man, you remember Jesus told you that you, that you would do all that he's done, or you've seen him do. And you go, all right. And you look down at your bracelet, WWJD. What would Joel, I mean, Jesus do? It's a joke. And you think back, and you remember the times that Jesus healed a blind man. And you remember that the first time he spat on his hand, and you thank God, put his hand, and the man was healed. And the second time he spat in the mud, and he made dirt, and he put the mud on his eyes. And then he prayed, and the man was healed. And then the third time, he just thanked God, and he lifted him to heaven, and the man was healed. So what do you do? Something to do with spit. <laughs> That's why I reckon some preachers, when they really get going, start spraying, just a bit of healing for the front row. No, I'm kidding. I don't have an answer to that question, but the, see, the thing is, Jesus didn't always do it the same every time, and we can expose that and maybe say that there isn't one context or one construct for how we should do ministry and how we should... I don't know, but that's not for me to say this morning. What I do know is that Jesus was always the same in nature. He came with grace and truth. He was always the same in his action. He was full of grace and of truth. John 1 says, in the beginning there was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, the Word being Jesus. And verse 14 says, and the Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and now we have seen the glory, the glory of the one and only. He came in what? In grace and truth. He always came with grace and he always came with truth. And that is our mandate as followers and believers in Jesus Christ, that we live lives that are full of grace and full of truth. They are necessary one alongside the other. You see, the truth that Jesus brought was that we are all sinners. As we talked about, we are all sinners and we are in desperate need of saving. But the grace of God the grace of the message of the gospel is that there is salvation, there is forgiveness of sins, and we can all freely come into the presence of God because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Would we go and be light, not shining our light, but shining His? We're simply called to be a reflection. It's not my light, it's His. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Oh, that was the thing I was going to point out. (laughs) You know, some people also have a need for money. Poverty is a real issue. I, I I don't want to come and preach that we just pray for people and leave them to figure themselves out. God has blessed us. I'm speaking very generally, I apologize. But if we have been blessed... 
then we are also called to be generous. We don't need to wait from a word from God to tell us to give to those in need. He's already given us that word a lot of times. <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to be the preacher that just says, oh, just pray for them. You know, there are also needs that we can practically meet as a church and as a family, and that is just as much as shining as our light, uh, God's light. Anyway, I didn't want to leave that out. It says, Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And then Peter said, look at us. And so the man gave them his full attention, expecting to get something from them. You know, I don't think so often we've, I don't think we're bad at shining. I think sometimes we do it in the wrong places. You see, this man had been coming to the temple and he'd been waiting outside the temple day after day after day. He'd been coming to the same temple, asking the same people for the same money. And he'd been waiting so long and asking the same questions. And it's very interesting, this scenario that we're given with Peter and John. You see, Peter, as he walks and enters the temple, he notices the man on the doorstep who has a desperate need and he stops. Now, it says that Peter has to, to demand this man's attention. Do you notice that? You see, this man had been sitting in the same spot with the same issue, asking the same people for the same thing. And I wonder how many people had stopped to help him. You see, they were so consumed with going into the temple that none of them had gone out. They'd spent so much of their energy on going in and spending their time in worship and doing their church and doing their thing, which there is nothing wrong with that. But I wonder if they'd forgotten to go. And they've forgotten the mandate that we are called to go (laughs) and help those who are in need. You see, as the body of Christ, we are called not to just come and enjoy the presence of God and worship and sing and hear the Word. Now, absolutely necessary, and we should never lose sight of that. We should always be encouraging one another in times of worship and service and prayer. But we also cannot forget that church doesn't end when the service ends. Church, come on, we are called to go and be a light and be a difference in our world. The problem isn't that we're not good at lighting. I think it's that lighting, that we're not good at shining. I think it's sometimes we focus on the wrong places. Turn with me to Isaiah chapter 58. This is just, oh, tell you what. Isaiah 58, God is speaking to his church, his people at this time, the nation of Israel, and he is rebuking them through the prophet Isaiah speaking in the third person, which is just awesome. Imagine just being able to speak in the third person. Just, it's great. And uh, in the verse, in, from verse 2 to 5, this is getting some real Bible study. This just really gets me going. I love this stuff. From verse 2 to 5, he is rebuking his nation about their type of fasting. Alternate word in different tra- translations is service or worship. He is rebuking them about what they believe is the right type of worship, right? Are you with me? Now, I want you to notice something. 
Often when we read the Bible, one thing to look for is repetition. So I've highlighted, it's a bit faint, in yellow, the use of the word day. Can we notice that? Let's read it. For day after day, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near to them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day, why don't you help me out? Yet on the of your fasting, you do as you please and you exploit all your workers. Verse 4, your fasting ends in quarreling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast that I have chosen? Only uh, for people to humble themselves? Is it only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in in sackcloth and ashes? Is that what you call a fast? A day acceptable to the Lord. Now, verse 2 to 5, we see the word day five times. Four verses, the the word day is used five times. Now, the word for day... In, this, uh, in the original text, is yom. I don't know how it's actually said, but that's how it's spelled. <laughs> Y-O with a thingy, W-M. And the word yom literally means the heat or the light of day, right? It's not a day, as we would say it. It is how we would say daytime. It's when the sun is up, essentially, right? Now, you still with me? Four verses... Five uses of the word yom, the light of day. Now, in the next two verses after that, verse 6 and 7, God is then speaking to them about the type of fasting or the type of service or the type of worship that he is desiring. Are you ready? Now, I want you to notice the use of the word day here. Or in other words, it's not there. Verse 6, he says, Is not this the kind of fasting I've chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and to, uh, to not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Verse 6 and 7, when he's talking about the type of worship and service that he is after, and just FYI, that sounds a lot like go to me. Go, meet the need, feed the hungry. It also sounds a lot like when Jesus is speaking about the sheep and the goats and he says, what you've done for the least of these, you've done for me. You see, we are called to go and be the difference. But when God is speaking about the type of worship that he does desire compared to what he doesn't, he leaves out this word light of day. You know what's funny? is you take one of these spotlights out, which are blinding me when I look into them like I just did then, I can't see anything more. If you take one of those spotlights outside right now when the sun's out, what impact is that going to have? Nothing. Now, you take a candle, or the smallest candle you can find, and we turned off all the lights in here and we blacked this room out and we had a candle, what sort of impact would that have? 
You see, I think it's not about how bright we shine, it's about the darker places that we go into. You take the smallest light into a dark place and it can illuminate everything around it. It can impact and influence everything around it. Now, why did I read that whole thing? You see, the type of fasting that God doesn't desire, the type of worship and service that God does, doesn't desire, he uses this word light of day. And then when he is proclaiming the type of go that he does desire, he doesn't use it at all. And then what happens What in verse 8? It says, then your light will break forth like the dawn. What's the dawn? The dawn is the first light of day. It's the first light in a dark place. You see, we're not called to just come and be part of the family and shine brighter together, which we will, and that is brilliant, and that's all part of it. But we're also called to step out and go into darker places and be the light of Christ in areas of desperation. We're called to be the light and share the good news of the gospel in places that desperately need it. You see, I think sometimes we need to be challenged again that we're not called to just come and be and sit and enjoy, but we're called to go and be the difference in our world. Shane, why don't you come and join me and you can help me preach this with some mood music. (laughs) Philippians says it this way, verse 2. That's verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 12, it says, Therefore, my dear friends, of you, as you have always obeyed, do not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill his good purpose. Ready? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation in a dark place. Then you will shine among them like stars in the night sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. Do you know, I was challenged on, on this word because... Up until the start of this year, I would come home to my beautiful wife, who's a Christian, and I would go to work where my boss is part of the board of our church. She's a Christian. And I would come to church with Christians, for the most part. And I would spend time as part of our home group and our young adults ministry, and I would spend time with Christians and I had to check myself because I realized that I was spending all of my time in bright places and I I can I can try and honor God and glorify God as much as I can in these types of scenarios or as I partake in relationships with Christian people and encourage and build others up and again please don't get me wrong it's absolutely necessary but I realized that I was very rarely if ever going into dark places very little of my life was spent sharing the good news about Jesus through my life and I had to challenge myself on that now here's the thing When Jesus said, go and make disciples of all the nations, we take the word 
go as a command, don't we? So often we would read that in English and we would say that Jesus is commanding us to go. And me, I would read that and go, all right, I've got to go to the Philippines on a missions trip. Now, brilliant. Or I've got to go and I've got to do something separate from my normal life. It's not exactly what it means. You see, the word go in this sense is a, is a present... I've forgotten what it's called. But what it essentially means is as you go. It's as you go and do life. It's as you go into your workplace. It's as you go into your neighborhood and as you go into your school where your children are and as you do life with people. Make disciples. Be a light. Be the difference. My prayer recently is that I would live in step with the Spirit and that the Spirit would grow in me the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And I pray that people would notice that fruit, not for my benefit, but for theirs, so that through my life they would see the reflection of the grace and truth that God has poured out on me because I am that lame beggar. I was in a broken place. I had a, I, I, I had a ailment that I couldn't fix and I couldn't cure and I couldn't do anything with, but God stepped into the gap where I couldn't and he hung on a cross so that I could receive salvation. And I pray that my life and our life and the church that we have today, not just here, not just at Hope, but across our nation and across our world, I pray that the body of Christ would be a light in a dark place. Would you pray with me and then I'm going to hand back to Gary. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that you have called your church, the bride of Christ, to be a light in our world. Father, I pray for all of us seated here this morning. Would we humble ourselves before you and ask you to change who we are? God, realign us with your commission. God, we thank you that you have privileged us and entrusted us with your good and glorious news of the gospel. God, I pray that as we continue to seek you, as we continue to live life in pursuit of you, Father, would you grow within us the fruit of the Spirit. God, I pray that people would see your light shining in our hearts, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God through the face of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.